created live on Fireside. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to have your company. Let's get him on. Yeah, a rapper, marathon runner, sober. I mean, this guy d- does it all, and he's a comedian. Hi. <laughs> well, uh, our guest is getting into character. Allow me to preface and introduce the man behind the entity. Words of needed rhyme has been a pastime to get outage of inner conflict, or for that fact to reflect. That was some of the themes of rap music in my young days. And bear in mind, I come, came along in the 90s. Uh, Daniela came along a bit later. <laughs> like with beat poetry, words have the propensity to make the audiences cry, to make them think, or to even become enraged and... Let me just name with the latter, hopefully not kill anyone. After all, there's no such thing as justifiable homicide. In contrast, though, words have the ability to give hope. The best thing about sobriety is words are made concrete with action or beats, as the case may be. This is where Rami Matten puts words to paper and makes them into beats. His heartbeat is moving on. His words are, there is simply hope and a future. He's here now to talk about his story, his love of rap music, and combining humor with his beats to create another outlet for people to find courage without the use of Dutch courage. Rami Matten, bless us. How are you doing? Welcome. How's it going? Um, well, it's Rami Matan. I, so it's, it's a, and also, it's a, I figure I'll go into kosher deals. I'm not sure here. But uh, it's actually Rami Matan. I'm sorry. I have to collect everyone right off the bat. I'm like, oh, look, I could. Um, and there's people here with us. There's yes, there are. They're here to admire the man behind the entity. Uh, Rami, and forgive me for uh, mispronouncing your name, but bear in mind, you have to give me a little bit of grace. It's my accent, so I have a little bit of an excuse. <laughs> Tell us about your background, um, the past going into the present, and how you established your entity. To pick people up in a little 30-second to one-minute, you know, elevator description, I'd say um, an Israeli-American hip-hop artist. I got sober and the end of July 2004, um, been consistently that since so for over 18 years and um, have been in the music business, say since like 2008, releasing music since 05, rapping since the late 90s and um, found a huge success in just everything I do. Um, I feel like in this past year, honestly, it's been a huge transformative year and and I travel around the world performing and making videos. And now I'm based in New York City, but I've lived in L.A., Israel, and born and raised in New Jersey. So, yeah. It's, so, 18 uh, years. Mm-hmm. I have 18 years, yeah. So what's your key to, to long-term sobriety? Um, it's a great question, I think. Um, I think, you know, the standard standard thing I could describe just in long-term sobriety is being part of the uh, community, you know, um, which is, you know, for me, 12 step meetings and, and, and being part of, you know, the standard stuff that doesn't make you exempt. I think success in your personal career, um, is due to, you know, being, cool thing about sobriety is that it, everyone's most likely doing the same thing, whether they make, you know, 
$10,000 a year or a million, you know, you're kind of all subscribing to the same idea of, of self-development mm -hmm. and working on, you know, for me, I know for sure, like I try to separate those two worlds when I go, go in there and, you know, I try to really be Rami. I don't want to be my stage name because I'm trying to take the stage off of me. Um, thinking. You know, yeah. Yeah, I thought, for me, that's really important because uh, I've lost a lot of relationships by just being uh, the person that works, works, works and performs and then bringing that into my personal life, you know, knowing mm. who. So, so that's, so that's uh, I think that's key for me right currently. That's like definitely what I'm working on, you know, in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. Romy, if you don't. He's out there on those streets hustling. I mean, you are really killing it. Like you're out there every day, just busting beats and rhymes. And I mean, is this stuff that you come up with on a daily or do you just throw this stuff out like freestyle? Um, I, I assume that you're talking about street performing. A street performing is all improv stuff. So, wow. you know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's just like what I've been doing. The past two years in New York City, I'm not honestly out there every day right now, but um, um, I do appreciate the sentiment. Maybe because the videos, I might be posting them every day, but <laughs> but I'm definitely not out there every day for sure. You're working hard, though. You're working hard. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I I appreciate the people that acknowledge hard work, but like sometimes hard work doesn't necessarily is always a good thing. So I feel like I'm trying to redirect um what people get enthusiastic from maybe it's because not everyone comes into working hard or finds the same definition of working hard i think i do the bare minimum honestly i think for going to work i mean you know if you're out there for two hours but it looks grueling um i think other people work you know way more efficient and that's sort of what i'm into doing i think you know recovery wise Efficient working would be, you know, maybe instead of going to recovery meetings all the time, maybe like late, you know, maybe just doing two of them solid with no distractions. And, and I think that's, that's where I'm at in my own, my life now. I've done like, oh, I work so hard, 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 hard work, but hard work doesn't necessarily mean doesn't I don't think it ever deserves a reward because I, I I just assume that's something you're supposed to do. In general, if you want something, you know, no one ever went to the gym and got ab muscles by you know not eating properly, going you know, and not when you didn't want to do it, only when you want to do it. So I would like to accept the compliment, but I also you know poise the question. I'm like, well, what is hard work? You know. And, and I think for me is now doing the things I don't want to do. Um, you know, for me, honestly, performing on the streets kind of easy. It's just like a fallback thing for me. Now it's like make songs in a studio, you know, do certain things that are uh, like that. I should probably do more of, I should be in the studio more than I'm on the street. Then I would have a hundred songs versus a hundred, you know, street shows. And, and, uh, this year it's proven to work because I've had, my first ever viral songs, which make money on the internet and draw all different kinds of, you know, opportunities. And that's like something I, I'm interested in. So you have to be in the studio more to produce those things. 
Well, uh, I like what you're, what you're formulating is the fact that you're keeping your audience engaged. You know, I was listening to an interview not too long ago by a guy by the name of, uh, well, he was formerly known as Scott Albert. He know, he's now better known under the uh, identity as Clayton of a musical project called Cell Dweller, where uh, instead of releasing an album, he started releasing two songs at a time, which he would call chapters. Because you can agree, the methodology regarding selling music has changed exponentially courtesy of streaming which is a good thing, and it is a bad thing as well. But you are ultimately in charge of the content, and you immediately, with the... Uh, what, what is the word that I could, could use? With the spreading of your content through social media and the like, you automatically take your audience with you on that journey, and you already have an audience locked in, which is a lesson I've started to learn with what I'm doing in my personal life, or in my professional life, I should rather say, and Danny vice versa. But I have to add something in here as well. And help me write, Rami. You have a particularly interesting niche in that you've now incorporated comedy into your, into your lyrics and you also do comedy separately from your rap music. Am I right in that summation or where did I go wrong? You are right. You are correct, sir. Because I'm starting to study comedy myself as well. I just recently did a a correspondence course with a gentleman by the name of Chester Sky, and I love stand-up comedy for the exhilaration of it. I love the fact that you can bring ideas across in a creative manner. There's so many styles, and I mean, you have one, I have one, um, Amy Schumer has one, Nikki Glaser has one, George Carlin certainly had one of his own. How about mm -hmm. did you decide to start writing humor and then ultimately incorporating it into your beats? Or into your lines, well, I should say. I mean, my stuff, my music has always been sort of, you know, lighthearted, a lot of stuff to deal with darker issues. I call it user-friendly rap. Um, <laughs> then I, you know, because I got on a TV show called Wild and Out, I started using that opportunity to get on comedy shows and just work in that. And now I'm getting hired for these sort of mixed genre shows and comedy shows. And I am... Um, I think, like yesterday, I just played in uh, New Orleans, and um, I did comedy. Nice. I did a pretty much a music set, but it was like mixed with some comedy, um, and then I assume that, you know, I'm creating this perfect show that's a mix of comedy and game and music and song that's a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, I played with a guy, a cast member from SNL. And he, oh, nice. Which one? Um, his name's Luke Knoll. He was only on one season, a few seasons back. But, uh, you know, he was just, we were sharing, you know, tidbits from SNL to Wild and Out. And, you know, it's this great opportunity where you get booked and people use the fact that we have this major credit to draw people in to come see us, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that's a gift. And, you know, somebody says, hey, you want to play tomorrow? Sure, I'm in New York. Here's, you know, we could pay you. I mean, it, that's sort of like, for me, I was like, wow, this is like a huge opportunity that it's like I struck gold and didn't even know I was on this treasure hunt. And comedy people love hip hop music. I just played New York Comedy Festival in a rap battle, which went really, really, really well at Caroline's. And for me, I, I used to do rap battles and it was like the perfect mesh of worlds because it's like... 
it, it was different than a regular rap battle. There's a lot more com comedy involved in it. And there were comedians battling, and then there were real rappers battling who were also comics. And um, for me, I'm always looking at, like, how can I challenge myself? What can I do that I'm scared of? And now I'm starting to go up and do comedy with way less fear than I originally had. Um, for me, that, you know, falls back on some on rapping, but, but the confidence to just get up and wing some jokes due to the crowd is really fun, you know? And I'm like working out jokes in different cities. And the other night I came up with a nice sequence that I thought was really great. Um, and I was like, wow, share it. Like, I'd love to hear it. I mean, I was just, I was just doing something on like, uh, I don't, I don't really think I think it's suiting to do the podcast, but like it was something We're on, uncensored. Uh, you can say whatever it is you please. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was just something where it was like, uh, yeah, it was just, that, that was just like a really great time. It was like, you know, it was Marky Mark was in there and he was like still like flawlessly like working out and sculpted. <laughs> and like, then there was, there were just all these things. And, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has been dating like 24 year olds since like then and, um, like consistently. And, uh, you know, I somehow it, it just, whatever I was talking about really landed and there was just crazy appearances and now like Michael Rappaport uh. was in there and I just linked up with Michael Rappaport, who's awesome. So I love it. You know, I, I fucking, I, it was awesome. I don't know how it got in there into the set, something about Leonardo DiCaprio and basketball diaries and. It just kind of worked, whatever I did, which I have it on film. But, but like, I would be afraid to do certain things like that because I don't really – once you stop caring and you're like, all right, I will just see how this crowd is, and then it sort of just works. And I think, you uh, know, related to recovery, you know, when you hold back certain things you want to share because certain people are in the room, um, you know, that's sort of like just not really having fear of uh, – be of of gut level honesty and just you know risk taking and that just that just comes I think for a better just better in life and performance and in every aspect. These so. days, yes. I mean, you really. I mean, everything is is on the spot reality. I mean, it's not like most things are scripted. And so, if you have that fear, it's hard to be successful. You know, and especially at what you do or what you're trying mm -hmm. to do. So I think you not having this fear, you're really hitting it hard. Um, and you're landing shit, which is really cool. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I've been watching yeah. you. That's pretty awesome. Well, so love... you have a kind of a funny story though, about how you got in sobriety. I was watching your reels on Instagram. Isn't there something funny about the beginning of how you got sober or is it kind of a, well, I mean, I was just running away from the police. So, I mean, um, and like I, uh, you know, I really wanted to go back to meetings, but the, the irony was that like, I was like, I need to either get arrested or go back to meetings. And then I guess like drug addicts, like, I mean, I ain't drug addicts, but like I threw away like a lot of these drugs in my pocket and then people picked it up and maybe I didn't, I ended up going to prison. And I thought that was really, 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 um, awesome opportunity for me to just, you know. That was that was the story. That's kind of how I got in. I don't know if that was funny or not, but maybe maybe we're talking about a different part. But that was for sure a moment where that was my life, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's all kind of funny because no one really believed. I was selling cemetery plots door to door 
at that point in my life. So, interesting. Were you selling yeah. cemetery plants? Mm-hmm. Plan for the year after. Buy from me and get a discount. Yeah. Oh boy. So, what was your route to recovery? Did you go to rehab? Did you follow a um, twelve-step meeting? Yeah. How did you go about it? I um, I was in rehab. Three quarter houses called the Oxford House, um, probation, um, parole. I mean, at different times, I had to go to meetings to get meeting lists signed. And but you know, once I was sort of in, I was nonstop. So for me, um, I really, really, really think that that was the most important part. Was that you know I had this stuff hanging over my head, so sort of like required and I was at that time cool like I felt like it was some street cred and I was really obsessed with street credibility and notoriety um I see what I measure I measured my value as a person you know just by like that I wasn't a full addict I think you know it was more like I was addicted to the lifestyle and drug dealing and thing but you know I was just an addict you know what I'm saying I think but it just definitely kept me in that circle and, you know, smoking Newports and drinking coffee and just kind of going to meetings and staying out of jail and taking urine tests. And that was like, you know, cool to me. So, and, 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 uh, and, you know, just building up on my community, you know, it was just really nice making me, I was just writing music and, and doing that. And that was sort of my path, you know, that was for me, that was my path. And, and seeing how I operated in my life and then slowly but surely, you know, performing and releasing music and getting these, these like minor successes, which were really major, you know, just like, Hey, I got, mm. met this person. I got this gig. I won this battle. I, you know, that was that. I feel like, I feel like you're on the verge of something pretty big. I, I was a personal manager for a lot of years. Um, mm-hmm. with Jay Bernstein and I just, I, I just, I watch you and I feel like you're really on the verge of something really big, you know, and I hope that for you. Um, and 18 years of sobriety, I'm 16 years and good things happen. You know, we just keep showing up the rooms, you know, <coughs> that's my foundation. And, you know, as long as, as long as we're showing up, um, good things happen. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of showing up. I mean, yeah. some of my biggest successes this year have been from just showing up. When it's raining, when it's snowing, you know, you still go. You know, you go to the gym, you go outside, you... Um, and, you know, it's very like a New York mentality. But, you know, I've recently gone back to meetings more intensely with a lot of intent and with the physical meetings, and, and it's really been helpful to me. I was kind of like just burnt out from any sort of Zoom or wanting to do stuff feeling very addicted to social media and and at certain times like in recovery different things come to play um including you know new addictions and definitely the social stuff and the likes and the come and and then like it readapt itself because i remember getting sober and and then there was like myspace and i had to get off myspace because i was you know 
manipulating that into something really negative. Um, trying to prop up my phone the best way, so sorry if it falls a little bit. And you know, and this is you know where I'm at now. But so, I'm really, uh, I'm really big on recovery stuff. You know, like for me, I wouldn't have anything I have without recovery. So I find it odd that I could complain about uh, about anything really, because you know. I really wasn't able to put anything together, although it was just a blink of an eye. Eighteen years ago, it was a blink of an eye. A blink of an eye, you know what I mean? It was. It is. Mm. Like I talked to my friend today, and she's like, "Man, we've known each other for ten years," and I'm like, "Yep, yeah, I remember when we were, you know, when we met, you know." So that was just ten years ago. So you know, and that's a long, long time. The marathon. You're a marathon runner as well. And I know the mm -hmm. physical, like running, really helps with depression, and um, you know, really oh, helps yeah. just with, with your mood. And how has that been uh, becoming a marathon runner? I've run four marathons. It's amazing. Oh my god! Jeez, yeah, I love them. I was just thinking about doing another one. Like I was just, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're determined. Yeah, I I really like. Um, I was just thinking like, oh, I want to do the um, Tokyo Marathon or London Marathon, and um, yeah, maybe I'll do the Tokyo one. And I just looked it up right now, March sixth. I was thinking, or I think it's um, around that time. And for me, it's a great way to see a city. You know, this is like. Oh yeah, taking the sights, the whole spiel. Uh huh. Yeah, just get out there and you go run. But you can obviously run it as a private citizen and not under your public persona. Yeah, I run it as, you know, you know, I post it on my regular page, but I just sign up and, or, you know, I ran the New York Marathon as Rami Koshadil's Evanesh. You know, I just put it up there because, I don't know, I was running for something. And, and um, but that's, that's it, you know, like, what a great way to see places and what a great like i raised money for holocaust survivors which is really big for me i never i, I was oh, just buying sure. so i'm um, i was just buying my way into marathons and then i was like oh i'll just run so for me like let's do it you know yeah. easy easy it's a great way to travel for me and then i could do music and it's just like something i'm into so and idris elba like, does exactly the same who'd you say I said Idris Elba does exactly the same. Whenever he's on on location shooting, you know, he takes a MIDI controller with him, and if it's not his turn to shoot, he'll sit in his trailer and just toy around with a couple of beats, and maybe he's got an idea, or he'll even remix some of his own songs. That is productivity at its finest, because I get the idea of an artist's mind. You know, if you're uh, on location or you're busy prepping for a, a, a concert, insert idea, you know, there's a certain amount of down downtime before you get to, to the sound check stage. So you've got to be productive in order to keep those creative juices flowing consistently. And, um, you know, you're the, you're the artist's artist in that manner that, uh, at least you come prepared and, uh, you can get a new idea down for the next possible moment. I said to a friend of mine, as a matter of fact today, that if you want to create a brand today, using technology. Prolificity is key because through that prolificity, 
you get practice and you get um, you get uh, your notoriety around these days and it seems like you fall under that category as well for me it's like a necessity for other people to me it's to them it's like hey it's inspiring and i'm like wow it's really cool but I'm, it's still also a little bit awkward for me on on occasion when people are like so inspired i'm so, like well is this something i'm doing i can't believe i ran four marathons <clears throat> because i ran three within a year like i did the one and then i was like okay i'll do this brooklyn one then I'll do, you know, I did the LA one because I guess because of COVID, it was like November. Then I did April. And then I did another one in November. So, poof. You know what I mean? You've That's got three. endurance, my friend. Yeah. You've got endurance. But reality is I could run another one this weekend because I'm just, I'm physically fine. And I just did one last week and I'm just physically fine. I did one eight days ago. But it physically, you're like, okay, let's go. And until I'm not. Until I do feel different, I mean, I like I like it. I'm just like you know, for me, mental pushing myself physically is very important. I just hit 40, 41, so it's like no way, forty one. You don't look yeah, it. So, you look twenty years old yeah. with twenty one years experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so we're running out of time here, but I want to uh, talk real quick about the Kanye diss. <laughs> of course, right? It it's disturbing some some of the things that are said all the time and you a rap around it to kind of respond to what yay was putting out there i just I, I think it's great that you said something you know you did something yeah i think big thing for me you know obviously is like a, a big thing i learned just through recovery um is like you know before i really didn't care about anything now that i have some sobriety and like there's other interests I have, you know. Um, I always find it interesting when people get really involved in politics, yet they were like, you know, you know, smoking crack or just like addicted to a body, you know, and all of a sudden they have these opinions. But for me, you know, a big part of my thing was like I really didn't want anything to do with my identity as much. I was kind of bummed out about it. And, and then I sort of just kind of fell into it through creativity, through music and the name Kosha Dills. And this is, you know, from touring with other Jewish artists like Modest Yahoo to you know playing oh around the world God, and just, love... <laughs> yeah i've heard him perform with pod yeah oh, mm -hmm. my favorite and that's awesome um so you know i thought now that i'm on the show wild and out i'm like and this certain things happen and i saw them together i said you know i gotta do something let me just do it and put it out and some of my best work is like very like boom do it tomorrow boom put it out there we go um, and that's a way to get people talking and to really detach myself from the personal attachment of what people are going to say about it to the creativity of it. And, How do you do it? Um, well, you know, the thing is that there were probably between TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook over 10,000 comments yet realizing that no one has said anything to me in real life from those comment sections like no one's actually come up to me on the street and said you know and said anything so i don't have to take on this stuff that's online because it's in this invisible space you know that's not physical and real and uh, for me that that's really helpful you know sort of like you could think about anything you could have horrible thoughts but if you don't do any of the stuff in your mind and you're it's really not bad i mean you could think about doing drugs you think about drinking you think about robbing a bank 
But as long as you're Rob Bank, you, you're, you're just another person that had these thoughts, you know? For me, yeah. because Kanye was a, is a rapper and I've listened to Kanye and I know people that work with them. And I was like, I'm going to respond. This makes sense for me. And that was it. You put it out and it's going to do what it's going to do. And, and like that. So I felt really strong about it. It's called, it's called Death Con 3. If anyone's interested to check it out, um, I'm sure you guys will post links. And I have it in my Instagram, on my, you know, pinned and in my YouTube. Um, you can check it out. It's in my bio. And that's it. You know, I put it in. That's the one thing I'm doing. And, you know, people say, well, why don't you diss this guy too? And now everyone wants me to diss everybody. And it's just like <laughs> not what I'm interested in. But I felt called to do it at that time. And, um, and, and on to the next thing, you know, on to the next. And I have plenty of other stuff that has nothing to do with Jewish stuff, has stuff to do with Jewish things, have Hanukkah holiday songs and comedy and, and all that. And that's exactly what I'm interested in doing. And I'm going to do it because I work for myself and I get to do what I want, you know, on most occasions. Now, <laughs> on most occasions, um, everyone has a wedding gig, you know, everyone has to do certain things they don't want to, even Kanye, you know, um, <laughs> what I mean is a wedding gig is I mean is that you have to do something that you don't want to do, um, you know, because, because a musician's like worst nightmare is the wedding gig, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to wish Dylan's come to my wedding. <laughs> no. Yeah, just, no, no, no. But you, but you the thing is, I enjoy. I, I I need to express this. I enjoy the wedding gig. I enjoy all gigs. You know what I mean? Right. But it's the it's the As thing I, where, when I DJ when when you go and you do specific you know kinds of reactions and responses. You know, that's just. Another thing, what's going to happen? What could what could technically happen that I haven't done worse? I've had way worse things happen. I was run, you know what I mean? I was selling drugs, running police. I'm an addict, you know, in recovery. So stuff I did before, I mean, it's like a dream. Like what a what a privilege that you have the ability to do something, turn it around, put it out, and everyone could judge it, and it gets you on Good Morning Britain, and it gets you in in Jerusalem Post, and just all over, you know, in Unilad, and that's it. You know, it, it went everywhere. Nightline and some other stuff. Yeah, and it's on. An, I'm in a Nightline. I'm on Hulu. The the music video is on Hulu right now, and you could watch wow. it on ABC Nightline for, for for on ABC Nightline. It's in that. Um, it's called Yay. It all falls down. Go to ABC Nightline on Hulu. You could watch it. And to me, that's crazy. That was like in two and a half weeks that happened. So, so to think that I created that by myself with no one else helping shows that I could do a lot, you know, if I, if that's something I, I could do really anything I want to do, honestly. And that's, and that's inspiring for, for, from someone who couldn't do anything he wanted to being able to be there. That's really cool. Reach for a dream. Things that, uh, is not, is great, great to know about you because, you know, we don't know you, but I, I look at your Instagram. You don't really know a person, but from what I'm getting out of you is that, you are fearless and that is something that is very difficult to achieve and through 18 years of sobriety showing up every time and not you know just showing up and and taking control and doing it anyway has really worked for you and that's really inspiring for me and and i can't thank you enough for coming on the show i second and, you know we wish you all the success in the world and we'll be watching and all the list show be available and that way we can of course. share it afterwards of course, I was about to say, 
I was about to say this. Folks, if you missed out on the live stream, you can catch this up on demand on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and all where you ever yeah. get uh, and everywhere else where you get your podcasts. A great thank you to uh, Kosher Dills, a.k.a. Rami Matan. Thank you for helping me write with yeah. your identity. Yes, all the sure. blessed, brother. It was um, I, I, I wanted to Christian, by the way, like, Christ, like uh, Christian Gray. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say if anyone wants to reach out, um, everything is just on my socials. All it's Kosha Dills, K-O-S-H-A-D-I-L-L-Z. And uh, I have a text line where you can text uh, 732-335-7573. That's like my uh, fan friend line um, through community. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested always to connect on recovery. And I'll tell you a quick story. The other day I did a show and I'm, I was, mean, I, I need to do a recovery joke. That way people know I'm in recovery. And, you know, because I wanted to go to a meeting out in New Orleans. And, it, and uh, yeah, if someone else told me. I asked somebody and someone connected me with someone and I went to, went to a meeting out there. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited when, you, when you're, like, on the road and you're, you need a home away from home. And this is like what I'm trying to do, you know, it's like, this is like stuff I enjoy to do is, is travel and know that people that have done the same thing that I've done, you know, to improve their life and, and get another step and, and you meet somebody else and you shake a hand and get on with your day. But, you know, we're, we're touching lives, whether we're performing or just in our daily life. And that's how I, I really want to bring that same energy into all my creative stuff, into my personal mm -hmm. relationships. And it just proves to be known that the more you show up uh, for your recovery, everything else really falls falls into place for me. And um, when I don't do that, everything kind of falls apart, even with a lot of time. And the worst feeling you could have is having a lot of sober time and not being, you know, clean. You know what I mean? It's like the horrible feeling because you're being on your way out then. There's a lot of shame. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of woulda, shoulda, coulda. There's a lot of shame because you're supposed <laughs> I'm not an, I'm not, I'm not like an ex-convict really anymore, even though I am, but like that's sort of, you know, I'm not fresh out of jail and just, you know, living in a three-quarter house or a halfway house anymore. No, not at all. In fact, it looks like you've got a nice little condo there. Ah, thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys. And thank you all to right, those who have tuned in. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Goodbye, everyone. This has been Doing It Sober Live, and we'll see you again soon. Peace. Sober.